I think to make it feel a lot more like Star Trek's holodeck meets Magic School Bus, mm -hmm. I think that's when we can finally start engaging students more. Welcome to Colin Megley's Interviews with Entrepreneurs. Guys, the best time to start a business is not tomorrow, it's not next month, but it's right now. Let me help you cut your learning curve in half as I interview successful entrepreneurs and I relay their knowledge and wisdom they've learned throughout the years directly to you. Because when you learn more, you earn more. What's up, guys? Today I'm here with Matt Gill. He is the CEO and co-founder of Enhanced VR. How's it going, Matt? Good. How are you doing today? I'm pretty good. Good, good. So uh, just like a general uh, overview of the industry, uh, how would you define VR? Uh, for me, virtual reality, I always look at it. It's just it, it's, it's a system that's either um, something can either make up artificially or it's completely completely, you know, computer generated. On the modern era, people know it as completely computer generated, graphics mm -hmm. crossed your face. But in the past, it's always been something that's made up to make you believe enough they think, but it's an artificial something that's generated uh, to see that. But you're, the goal is to make you feel fully immersed in it. So you mentioned uh, in the past, like when did this kind of start to spring up? Yeah, so I gave a, a, a talk here on campus before about that kind of stuff. So Binghamton, where we're at behind us here, is, uh, um, was largely involved in that, but it goes way back into uh, 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 Chinese dynasties where they actually able to make massive wall paintings of an entire room scene. So you'd stand there and you'd feel like there's other people in the room because mm -hmm. it was completely surrounding. And then that turned into, uh, you ever been to like a, a, a wildlife park and you go up to this like observation deck and it's a giant painting yeah. all around you. Yeah. So then it switched to those um, uh, over the years, but eventually it wasn't until about like 19, so 37, um, here, Ed Link, he was his family owned a piano company, an organ company here uh, in the Binghamton area, and uh, he took his knowledge from all the pneumatics and systems in those organs and made flight simulators out of them. Where it's three degrees of freedom, you could spin around, angle, and change different directions. Um, and the reason that was considered like the first version of modern virtual reality was because um, you it wasn't like you could see through anything. They, they enclosed everything. You had to look at all the different instruments on the panels mm -hmm. and all of them were live and they acted like an actual flight plan. And so mm -hmm. it's truly flying by the seat of your pants like that, that reference always comes from. Wow. And uh, yeah, military bot, you know, tens of thousands of them really kicked up the success of this area as it continued to grow. But that was like the first, you know, version of, of virtual reality as we kind of start to know today. It wasn't until there's some researchers that developed things called the sort of demonicals. I'm probably murdering the name but it was uh that was like the first digital version we know of where they were it was actually augmented reality but they actually take prisms and they put it over their head and had this literally like overhanging apertures and tubes and stuff like that where they um the research uh, the guy that did, uh, um he was able to look through these and move around and see what was going on and you could see like really simple shapes and that was it mm -hmm. and that and the, but that was the first take and eventually it kind of changed over time I and mean, we had Nintendo Virtual Boy, uh, Sega Genesis actually I think had one but never released. Um, uh, PlayStation, did they have an earlier one? I can't remember that one. Um, but yeah, so then they eventually became like a uh, you know a commodity, and there's like little products here and there that are popping up. But the problem was is that the tech wasn't there, and, and when it finally became what was defined by like the Matrix virtual reality being this fully immersive digital yeah. real life experience, the tech just didn't exist. So there's all this hype started growing, but then when they finally put it on, they're like, this sucks. You know, yeah. this isn't here yet. And so eventually it wasn't until Oculus came out with their DK2 that they're like, all right, maybe this is an actual possibility. And then it is what it is today. 
And you mentioned uh, augmented reality. And just yeah. for some listeners, like what would be the difference between augmented reality and virtual reality? So augmented is um, some people have a mixed view on it. <laughs> my my definition is that there's there's the whole umbrella is XR technology, and then there's virtual reality, augmented reality, and mixed reality. Virtual being completely computer generated. I think augmented reality should be more of um, overlays. It's more notification. It's more gimmicky. It's not. It's I wouldn't say it's so much of a tool as it is kind of something that's quick, quick and fast. Yeah. It, could, it could be a tool, but um, Google Glass. That's mm-hmm. AR, where you just have pop up notifications. Um, anything you do usually on your phone. You know, I consider that usually an AR, unless it's like more of game, more tool generated, more overlays put in. Then it, I think it becomes more on that mix, which is like we can go uh, complete overlay. Or you cannot have, you can just have little things mm-hmm. in there. Um, but mixed reality, it seems just like augmented reality, but no, I like the term mix better. And when we're looking at like the HoloLens and the new Meta uh, Magic Leap system and the Meta 2, like those are like mixed reality because you could completely change everything you saw or you could just have little things pop up here and there yeah. while you're doing it. Yeah. Uh, so you as a company, uh, Enhanced VR, what? You're a virtual reality company, so what are you focusing sure. on? Initially, we always did motion simulators, uh, but really we want to create tech that kind of enables our like our core values, which we've identified over the last like two years, which have been, we want to make this kind of technology uh, with XR, VR, you know, mm-hmm. we, our, our title is VR, but we want to make stuff that uh, engages, you know, our users, makes an educational experience or can inspire them. So whatever means that kind of experience may involve, um, you know, we're interested in working on those kind of things. So it's, it's, it's both to make something fun and creative that we love to make and that we hope that other people enjoy too, but we want to make something that can also be more of a tool or resource, um, and, and really taking what this technology, all these bigger companies keep saying, we're using it to do this. You can do this with it. You can work in industry, you can work in scaffolding, you know, you know, all these different areas that you could use the technology. And we wanted to make those actual use cases kind of come to life, um, but also making some fun stuff along the way. So do you think education would be the primary application of this technology for you? Yeah, I mean, that's where we're pivoting to right now. Um, really, it's because I think it's one of those things that's been a long time coming when you talk to a teacher and they're like, you know what, you know, what would you, you know, kind of want to do with your students? We've heard before, it's just like, I just I want to immerse them in the content better. Mm-hmm. There's always going to be really dry materials that we have to get through and there are kids that just shut off. They don't want to learn the material. Yeah. And it was kind of fun. If you actually watch uh, a video of uh, Steve Jobs when he's talking about Next, his company in, in between Apple there, he was doing a re- an interview like this, you know, a podcast kind of thing, and he was going, this, he goes, he goes, this technology, having a computer in a classroom, and that's where the initial target was, was the Macintosh, was like, you could, schools that couldn't afford to do all these other things, couldn't show their students all these different things because they didn't have the money to, or the school wasn't yeah. big enough, they could finally do that they could simulate these different things and that's what they're given the ability to do and that's what we look like we're trying to do too is that you know we want to give every student the opportunity to defy the status quo not because of where they live or the opportunities that they have but giving all of them an equal opportunity to assume. yeah so what would that look like how would you implement that into a classroom setting some schools have already or companies have already started to do that um, where they just take like a single headset they, mm-hmm. each student has their own headset Google Cardboard Expedition they have something like that um, uh, Class VR uh, these guys also have just a singular headset they do some interesting other things but the the big way to I think the key things you have to remember when you're making something like this to have in a, a room is uh, you have to have interactions collaboration creativity uh, and immersiveness all, all in one thing and so 
when you just have like a single headset, you know, maybe you're giving them a little bit of immersiveness, but you can't do the collaboration, can't get all the connectivity that you want in it. Um, and so for us, it's like, we want people to be able to move around in this space, to walk around, do different things, um, to interact with something in that corner, walk all the way to the other side and do something else, interact with each other. And I think to make it feel a lot more like Star Trek's holodeck meets Magic School Bus, mm-hmm. I think that's when we can finally start engaging students more and allowing them to learn on more and having you know built-in assessment tools so that you don't have to take off the headset every single time while they're doing something. It has to be easy enough for the teacher to use, simple enough for a student to understand, kind of mind-blowing enough experiences for a student yeah. to just go, wow, every time to make them look forward to getting into the classroom. Yeah, I mean, I think if I had that, like some of those boring <laughs> topics, like you imagine if I could walk in there and like history and be taken back in time, that would have been yeah, amazing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. With this company, what's been some of your biggest accomplishments to date our i think our first one was when we actually made our first thing it was uh mm-hmm. it was a motion simulator we built that like a 36 hour hackathon and we weren't even a company or anything we we're just a couple knuckleheads that said you know we kind of like vr and we like making stuff for it and so we bought a bunch of pvc pipes and all that stuff and we built it and it kind of like a proof of ground us say okay this is kind of cool we could do this and um we did some pitch competitions with it and made better systems and that, that was kind of cool and i, th- I think that that was a really big first thing. Um, we won, you know, ten thousand dollars at a pitch competition before. Wow. Uh, that was that was pretty fun. I mean, I'm looking to do a lot more than that <laughs> in the future. I have a bigger goal, uh, much more than ten thousand dollars for this next bit. But um, that was that was really exciting because that kind of proved that like other people, you know, really believe in what we're doing too. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think just having the opportunity to talk with guys like you. I mean, every every time this is a really awesome thing because that just means other people are interested, yeah, you know, on some of the stuff I do. So that that's some of the big accomplishments, I would say, as well. That's awesome. Yeah. You're currently senior at Binghamton, is that Masters, correct? actually. Masters. Okay. Yeah, yeah. My bad. My no, bad. you're good. You're good. Um, it feels like it just keeps going. It's a senior year for me, though. <laughs> it feels like senioritis. <laughs> but uh, but you started this, like, while in school. Is that correct? Yeah, yeah. We kind of really started it doing this kind of stuff, like, my freshman, mm-hmm. spring semester, my freshman year. And it wasn't official to really my junior through senior year. Um, but yeah, so I've been doing it since kind of I've been at Binghamton. So why did you get started in the industry? Why virtual reality? <laughs> I don't know. Just, uh, you liked it or? Yeah, you could kind of say that. Honestly, I didn't, I, I had no, not a care for it, really didn't pay attention to it like prior to any of this. Mm-hmm. And then it wasn't until my freshman year, I kind of, the technology was getting a little bit better. And I was kind of like, as an electrical engineer, I was kind of like, oh, that's that's cool. Like, mm-hmm. it's neat. But I know of, like, all the tragic fails. I was like, ah, oh, it's probably just another tragic fail. And, uh, but it wasn't until someone approached me and brought me onto their, like, virtual reality ski team uh, that they're trying to do as a senior design project. Um, I was brought on with, like, a grad student, kind of be, like, the side thing of it. And, like, hey, we want to enterprise this, and can we make our own version of this? I was like, oh, that'd be that'd be kind of fun. And so we did. And then that's when I kind of got, like, dragged into it and I was like this is cool I can like immerse myself and I think for me it was the physicalness I like doing stuff with my hands and if I just had to sit at a computer all day I, I wouldn't be able to do it but the fact that I can do more physical things I think that makes it a lot more enjoyable for me and then I eventually got really dragged into it <laughs> uh, so far since the start of this company what's kind of been your biggest failure there's been a lot I would definitely say me not just being mature enough as an entrepreneur to, mm-hmm. to, to take leaps to move forward with certain things um, I don't want to say like our motion sim thing was a, a failure, but it was definitely uh, a pivoting point. Whereas, you know, you, you, when you build your first thing, you're always so attached to it. You're like, I can't let this go. I love it. And it was for me, I think we could have been a little bit further along than we are right now. If I could have saw that after the, the, the 
the data and the information I was gathering about, you know, where that system was going and what we had to do in between there was either to be mature enough to make it happen and go for it or to just and do what we did today, which I think was the right move, uh, but it took too long, was to just say, let's put that on the back shelf and, you know, let's work on something that we're equally passionate about um, but can really help grow us as a company first, can maybe make a much more of an impact and define who we are. What did you learn from that? Just like be able to let things go? Or? Yeah, I'd say let things go um, for sure. And uh, just, you know, really take your time. Uh, well, no, don't take your time. Take your time in terms of thinking about things thoroughly, but don't try to keep doing two things at once. You know, mm. it's, unless you're doing this by yourself, you're getting paid, which I'm not, and you're doing this, you know, uh, full time, then you can kind of like take on more. You can think about more and do more things. But when you're, when you're a student and you're doing a lot of different things at once, you know, you have to just do what you're passionate about and what really moves you. And uh, and for me to just, you know, yeah, you really got to take that step and just say, kind of slap yourself in the face and look up, you know, in the morning and just kind of go like, look, I, what do I want to do today? Is it mm-hmm. this because I don't know where it's going? I'm too nervous to do that. Or is it this because I'm excited about it and I want to do that? And uh, I think that was my biggest learning thing was, you know, always make sure you're doing something that keeps you excited each day. There's always going to be those boring things. But to, um, yeah, let things go sometimes, move on to the next thing and keep progressing as long as you keep progressing. So would that be like your biggest piece of advice or what would be your biggest piece of advice to young founders and startups? I think to listen to advice would be the other mm-hmm. one. I mean, for me, it's I, I've never done anything like this before, you know, so having the opportunity to get help, but not too much help. I, over the years, have had, you know, multiple different people I reached out to for help and, and what to do, but take that time to find multiple people, um, but also make sure you get, get the time to really know them, know what they're like, how they run their things in the past um, and uh, don't have to make because everyone has conflicting views mm-hmm. there's no right way to do this um, as many books you might read say this is the ultimate way and this is the ultimate way to do that um, just find someone that really can help guide you through all this stuff because you know you, you can definitely learn a lot read a lot online do it on your own but until you have someone in person that's your support network that helps you get this going that is invested in you mm-hmm. maybe invest in your company um, to keep you going forward that's that's like I think the really ultimate thing for like someone that's young that really wants to get into this. Yeah. And I think like another thing is like, like you mentioned, everyone has uh, different advice, so mm-hmm. it's kind of difficult. Like I know people tell me, oh, do this, or then someone will tell me do this. So it's kind of like juggling and using them as data points and figuring out. Yeah, and sometimes like, you can meet in the middle. You mm-hmm. know, yeah, I got like a, uh, I had one for a while that he was, he was really great and he had definitely a. Uh, 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 a good, I guess, I'd say a good starting point view on some things, you know, mm-hmm. how to, um, and that I still use today, but, uh, but I had someone else that I still work with today, um, as a mentor, uh, he's absolutely fantastic, but I just feel more comfortable in the stuff that he goes with. So you could say it's like mixed, like I'm probably like 9% him and maybe 10% of some of the other mm-hmm. people have, and, and maybe, you know, a slice of something in there, stuff that I've learned over the years too. It's, uh, it's a lot going back and forth, but yeah, using it as data points, I like how you said that, where it's just going back and forth about which way. All right. So just for closing, um, sure. uh, if I wanted to get started in the virtual reality world, uh, if I want to buy a headset, what do you recommend? <laughs> right? Because price ranges. It's different. Yeah. It's it's all over. Um, I guess it's what you're into. Uh, I mean, what are you into? Do you really want to get into it? Or you're asking? I'm just asking. <laughs> right? I mean, I, it's interesting. It's yeah. Interesting to me. Um, yeah. So I say like, if you want to get going and you just want to have some fun, kind of get used to it, just get get one of those things that goes with your phone. Mm-hmm. You know, that's enough for you to kind of go. I get this. I see what's going on. I wouldn't get one of those like four buck cheap things because you probably have a bad experience with it. Yeah. But don't be afraid to spend like 40 bucks, get one of those Gear VR, something a little nicer, it doesn't hurt your eyes when it's on you. 
that also enables you to do some hardware hacking. If you have like an Android or an iPhone, you can kind of do some work in it, make your own apps if you're interested in getting that side of things. And if you're really like really loving it, getting all out, then you can start kind of reaching up and, and getting those more expensive computer-based headsets. But pay attention to the future. I mean, Oculus is coming out with a really awesome new standalone headset, 400 bucks. You know, it's kind of like an all-in-one console, no sensors. I mean, it's, there's a lot of new changes. So mm-hmm. like within a year, you'll already see different headsets I'd probably recommend instead of that. But that's... Forty bucks—that's a good starting point for you know yeah, billion dollar bad. industry. <laughs> All right, and um, just using this as another data point, um, what what would be your favorite uh, business book you've read so far? Uh, mine would have to be Twelve Week Year. I try my best to, to maintain that. It's a really good one. It's due more in twelve weeks than most do in, in twelve months. Mm-hmm. And I used it this first time this last summer. I was you know I was still had an actual internship for another company, but I used that to work on some of the stuff on the project that we're working on right now in the background that kind of um, kickstarted us to get us going on this. And um, uh, still using it now uh, from behind just a little bit with school, trying to keep track of it. But it's enough to really like push you to say, you know, break it. And for me, I used to run. And so I was like, think about this in seasons. And instead you think about, oh, I got all year to do this kind of thing to break that year down to 12 weeks and go, if I don't make it, you know, trying to make it happen 12 weeks, mm-hmm. pressuring yourself. And if it doesn't happen, you go, I got next season. I got yeah. the next 12 weeks to reassess. You know, don't don't let that kind of get too relaxful. But I think that's a it's a short, quick, and it can be applied to anything. You know, just trying to make big goals in 12 weeks, I think, is a, it's a really helpful book. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, do you just want to, like, plug your social media if uh, listeners want to <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, you reach can follow, out to you? Yeah, you can follow us on Facebook if you want. You can also email us at enhancedvrteam at gmail.com. Yeah, that, that, we don't do Twitter or any of that mm-hmm. other stuff. So, But, yeah, if you want to find out more, go ahead and check out our Facebook page. And uh, from there, you can always reach me uh, through any of that stuff. I'm the one that monitors it So, uh, for right now. All right, that's awesome. Thank you. Cool. Hey, thank you guys so much. Really appreciate it. All right, thanks again for listening. Make sure to go check out my website, www.colinmegley.com. From there, you can sign up for my mailing list to receive updates on future podcasts, as well as to make sure you'll never miss a new episode. And feel free to DM me on Instagram at Colin Megley. You can request future entrepreneurs or leave any feedback you may have. No request is too big or too small. I look forward to hearing from you and stay tuned for new updates.